Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Grumpy Collector Podcast. I'm your host, Troy McHenry, an incurable collector of all things. On this week's episode, we break down all the watches that were released before, during, and after Watches and Wonders, the largest watch industry trade show in the world, at least for 2022. The show notes for this one are actually pretty straightforward since I'm just going to link my favorite website for watch press releases, Time Zones Industry News page. But that being said, you can always find these show notes and more at thegrumpycollector.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the show on your streaming platform of choice and give us a five-star review. It really does make a difference. And without further ado, yeah, your life just got better. You know, as a watch collector, you can't help but just be excited, almost giddy when the watch shows uh, roll around during the year. And traditionally, it was SIHH that was earlier, and then we had Basel World. Uh, Basel World right now is no more, and so everything's kind of folded into SIHH, but it's got rebranded as Watches and Wonders. It's so interesting to, to see how different watch brands have decided to tackle that there's this one watch show and you know and everyone's trying to get the same you know publicity and get people's ears and eyes and attention some of the larger watch companies like swatch group has decided even to um forego being at watches and wonders and instead you know just invite all the press that's in town for it to visit some of their boutiques and also i think very strategically everyone knows the moment those watches get announced everyone's going to be talking about them uh, predominantly at least for a little while and so if you're at the show releasing after those have come out you know you're almost always going to play second fiddle which is unfortunate um but that's just kind of the way it is if you look at all the watches that were released though it's interesting too that there was a lot of watches even beyond omega that uh, got announced um in the lead up to Watches and Wonders. Certina uh, released the DS2 Powermatic 80. Very vintage-inspired looking model. Tourneau-shaped case. Really a, a really pretty case and dial. Has extremely strong vintage watch vibes. And the great thing about Certina, the MSRP price is between 860 and 925 Swiss francs. So it's not going to break the bank actually reminds me of uh, quite a few vintage watches I've seen and and even some uh, vintage uh, JLCs. You know, the other thing that really started happening in March, even before we get more into watches, you can't help but see how the watch world has tried to respond to the conflict going on in Ukraine right now. Uh, You know, Caring Group, which owns a bunch of different watch brands, such as... um, Gerard Perigo and Ulysses Nardin. They're, I guess those are actually kind of going uh, independent here very soon. They've kind of been spun off, but they are um, donating money. And then quite a few watch brands have come up with Ukrainian flag color models, uh, which I think is pretty cool. I guess we're all lucky that the their flag with that strong yellow and blue 
which to me, I can't help but think of Ikea, but as uh, watch dials or watch straps, it's been pretty neat to see how different brands have um, tried to factor that in. You hope it's not just some sort of shameless money grab. I don't, I don't think it is. Most of them are donating a huge percentage, if not all of the profits to um, the Red Cross or um, various Ukrainian uh, charities and nonprofits or NGOs. Uh, one of the better ones I thought was Lind Werdelin, where, where they have um, obviously the dials half blue, half yellow, uh, but then the top strap is blue and the bottom strap is yellow and they're molded rubber. I actually thought that these looked really sharp, uh, 5,500 pounds and sterling is what they're costing. So that's, I don't know, probably over 7,000 US and they're making 33 of them though. It's not just one, which is kind of nice. You know, Oak and Oscar did one that they um, did in an auction to raise uh, funds. That was really pretty. It was actually a white dial, but then it had a yellow and blue strap. You know, one part was blue, one part was yellow. And then I, some of the hands, I think, were, were different colors. And then Revolution Magazine also did a, a great uh, charity auction in partnership with Red Bar. Um, I think that raised quite a bit of money, and it was pretty cool to see all the different uh, donations uh, there as well. One of the more interesting models for Ukraine was uh, this watch brand called S-Craft, which I haven't heard of. They just did a little skeleton dial. Uh, but the minute hand is yellow, the hour hand is blue, all the indices are blue. And then the strap is blue with uh, yellow edges. It's asking prices nearly 9,000 Swiss francs. The biggest thing I think is always fun to speculate on as Watches and Wonders starts coming out is, is there going to be a theme with the various watch brands with regard to types of watches or colors? Uh, we had um, uh, AD on uh, one of our Red Bar Virtual meetups, and that kind of topic came up i was thinking uh maybe i think we're kind of time due for uh just maybe a resurgence of like really crisp clean white dials uh, which we did kind of see from doxa but not really anyone else also i still kind of want to see more yellow we did see a little bit more of the tiffany blue which was definitely maybe the color of last year and a lot more green uh, and then i thought the the one color people really thought might uh, come out is uh, purple of all things. I don't even know where that maybe started. I like to think maybe even Anne Ordain was probably the one to start the purple trend. But Moritz uh, Grossman announced uh, a new Central Seconds with a beautiful, stunning um, purple dial. Uh, 41 millimeters across. They're only making 25 of these, though. I mean, it's definitely a niche thing uh, with, with purple. And I think with the right strap, it would look just uh, bonkers. Um, they show it on just a very plain black calfskin strap, which is um, probably doing a little bit of a disservice to to that dial. You know, a couple other colors that popped out when you start looking at all the releases in totality. Bell and Ross came out with a gorgeous a bronze diver, a BR0392. And it's bronze and then it has this really nice brown bezel and brown dial, gold hands. It's, it's gorgeous too. It's a limited edition, but of 999 pieces. I don't know really if I would construe that as a limited edition or not, but I think is that patinas uh, bronze is always kind of tricky because you think about it, you need a dial that looks good when the bronze is shiny. And you also need a dial that looks good when the bronze is heavily patinated or patinaed. And I think a brown 
is one of those that works well. Green usually works well. Actually, I think white looks really good uh, when bronze is shiny and when the bronze gets really dull. Another watch that came out right before uh, Watches and Wonders was uh, Messina Lab with these um, uh, geometer chronographs, geometer. And they look just like a vintage Omega, but with all that really, really pretty brown dial you would get after um, it had faded a bunch and has this really pretty tan or creamy loom and same with the strap. I, I think these look killer 39 millimeters across 46 millimeters lug to lug only nine, nine meters, uh, nine millimeters tall. It's using this Salita caliber, uh, which is just fine. You know, maybe my only gripe is they're $3,500. That seems maybe a little high for uh, a watch with that caliber. But if you're really wanting to have something with um, just a lot of really pretty uh, vintage vibes, but in a new watch, I, I don't think you can beat that. And then speaking of Reservoir, uh, before Watches and Wonders, they released um, their uh, canister silver, uh, really pretty like opaline silverish white dial. And again, you know, all their watches have that jump hours, retrograde minutes, and they usually have a power reserve indicator at six o'clock. I, I think this looks um, killer. The case is titanium, 41 and a half uh, millimeters across a nut. Um, too too big either i just really i do really do like the the look of some of their watches R really um divisive with people uh you know max uh, boozer uh who has mbnf uh, created these kind of mad editions which is just uh you know kind of like friends of uh of the company and he just used a a really, or I guess they call their friends like the tribe. It just uses a, a really standard movement, but then they've created this amazing case around it and the rotors on top. And then instead of just normal hours and minutes with hands on a dial, and instead it's two rotating cylinders, one for the hours, one for minutes on the side of the case and wonderful loom. They're big watches, uh, but the price point was great because, uh, you know, you really can't get a watch from mbnf for this price which is 2900 swiss francs I actually thought it was kind of funny people were uh, giving them a hard time a little bit for the price but i think for what you're getting and just how much they've had to do to the movement and then you know develop the case and everything um and the rotors like this tri-wing like battle axe look with uh, loom i think these look cool this is really the the first one that they're also letting the public for people who maybe haven't bought one of their more expensive watches in the past, be able to get on. Uh, they're doing a little bit of a lottery system uh, with them. Also, before Watches and Wonders, Longines introduced the Spirit Zulu time. It, it is really nice, uh, three different colorways. And uh, they you know finally have, um, I don't want to say a proper GMT, but just a little bit more modern one. Uh, applied indices. Out of all three colorways, it's actually hard to choose which one looks the best. Um, the blue is probably the the least interesting. They have one where it's kind of like a black dial with green bezel. I think that's uh, crazy sharp. And then but probably my favorite is just the, the black uh, because all the uh, markings on the bezel, the GMT bezel, and then the, the uh, numbers are all in white. 
where some of the other ones are using kind of that um, that cream, you know, people like to call it Fotina, but um, using kind of a, a cream colored loom. And of course, with Watches and Wonders right on the horizon, Omega broke the internet, um, them and Swatch both. You know what I'm going to talk about? The Moon Swatch, Speedmaster, Chronographs. Just in typical Swatch and Omega fashion, it's not like um, it's good enough to have a release and create one version of it. Um, there's 11 different colorways of these, uh, moon swatches. And, you know, I have an original, um, Speedmaster. I, original sounds weird. I, I have a steel one from Omega. It's a killer watch and it's, yeah, it wasn't cheap, but it's, um, you know, it will last forever and it's uh, not quartz, but I'm actually not against these at all. Um, I think this is a really great way to introduce people to other designs and styles of watch. Of course, these are quartz. These are only $260. I think I read somewhere it's like, yeah, for one fortieth the price of a new Speedmaster. And that kind of explains everything. You buy, you could buy 40 of these Omega Swatch Moon Swatches, or you could just get yourself one Speedmaster. Um, actually, the thing that probably I'm only grumpy about is the bezel on the Omega Swatch, um, you know, Speedmaster Moon Swatches. It has a dot over 90 on the bezel, which is kind of a trademark of the really um, old and in-demand vintage Speedmasters. Uh, mine does not have a dot over 90 uh, bezel. I wish it did. And so um, <laughs> I'm a little grumpy that they released the the the, the vintage dial on, on these. The colorways are really, really nice. Um, and it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. I, I think Mars is probably the easiest one to, to look at. It's red and white. And um, it has that um, Alaska Project vibe, if you're familiar with that, Omega Speedmaster, where for the uh, sub dials, instead of just normal hands, it has these like triangular hands. You know, all of these um, colorways really look great. I think some people have already said this too, and I totally agree though. I I think the straps on these is probably the very first thing you want to do if you get one they're Velcro is uh, just take it off. These have normal... 20, 20 uh, millimeter lugs. So put on a, a NATO strap, put on a two piece strap. I think the, uh, the Velcros just make the watch look a lot bulkier than it needs to. I think what's so great about these, cause they are this bioceramic uh, plastic is that they're going to be really light and the quartz movements are pretty light. And so why not um, put a light strap on instead of some, some big bulky thing. I, I think these are going to be a huge hit. I'm so glad they're not a limited edition. Um, I actually think all of us should buy stock and swatch. Uh, this might make a material <laughs> difference on their balance sheet, right? Um, I have to think so. I mean, when you saw the day they got released and how they were only releasing them um, at Swatch Boutiques, which really was very similar to how, if you remember going way back uh, with the System 51 watches from Swatch when this first came out, which was really Swatch's first in-house mechanical automatic winding uh, watch. I can remember um, having to go to the boutique in San Francisco when I was there on vacation to um, to try to pick one up, and then later they became available online. And I think they're doing exactly the the same thing with these. You know, they're only available in a store, but they will be made available online. I've even heard as early as um, April eighth, which is just two days away. Other notable news was Resins came out with their most affordable watch yet, the Type Eight. And while 
the colorway they came out with, I was not a huge fan of. I mean, it's a pretty blue dial and it does, it's a lot more stark than their other watches. I'm actually hoping they use some of that negative space on these um, dials of this new model, the Type 8, and maybe do some really cool uh, cutout designs or they could do some enameling or it just would be a, a big canvas, I think, to to do something fun. But I really do like that they are going more down market in, in price because I think what they're doing is cool. You know, their price points for most of their watches have always been over $20,000, which is it's a lot. And these are um, the MSRP on these are 12,500 Swiss francs. So a lot more accessible. Uh, still, you know, just a time only, no power reserve or or anything like that. But I like it. And then right before Watches and Wonders, Omega just released a ton of great watches. I'm actually a huge fan of their uh, specialties and the this new one, the Omega Specialty CK859, heavily vintage inspired, no loom, time in sub seconds at six, the dial is a cream, all the markings are in blue, hands are in blue, uh, comes on a brown leather strap, has a manual wind, coaxial master chronometer movement, uh, the 8926. This is a beautiful watch. And I think uh, with the right strap, a one actually, I think because of the the kind of the creamish silver and, and blue color scheme, I think you could actually wear this with a lot of different straps. So it's a bit of a strap monster. It's not super thick. Retail price is $6,500. And for a new Omega, uh, I don't think that's unreasonable at, at all. The other watches that Omega released during, and they kind of called it Omega Watch Days, which is kind of interesting. The They brought out two new models using Moonshine Gold, which is this really brighter alloy of gold that they've come up with. And one has a gr dark green dial and green bezel, and you can get it on strap or on a bracelet. So very much uh, channeling, you know, the, the strong Omega Speedmaster vibes. And it's an 18 karat gold. And then the other one, it has a really sporty look. It really, when you look at it, it reminds you of almost a Rolex Yacht Master because it has a fitted black rubber strap, but the case is um, this moonshine gold. And the dial, though, in this case is uh, moonshine gold. Actually, scratch that. It doesn't look like a, a yacht master. It's kind of channeling more of a, a you know, some of the gold Daytonas because uh, they also have the the Oyster Flex strap, and this is kind of Omega's answer to it. But the gold case and then the gold dial with, uh, in this case, a black bezel, black sub-registers. It's beautiful. You know, the movement's just kind of Omega standard um, 3861. It is coaxial, though. You do get do get a display back. If anything, it probably saves them some money. They don't have to put gold on the, the back of the case, uh, maybe like some other watches. And I think the, the way these are priced, very competitive, especially when you compare them to like Rolex's offerings or really any sports gold watch that's, that's currently available. I actually struggle a lot with which one I like better. I love the all gold with the gold bracelet and the dark green sunburst dial and bezel i think that's killer uh, but then the slightly more affordable one where it has the gold dial with the black registers you know kind of a, a panda feel 
but then with the, the black rubber strap just looks really sporty. So I think Omega killed it with some really, really uh, compelling watches. And of course they brought out finally a, a commercial version of the ultra deep. And again, you got to love Omega, you know, if this was Rolex you know, when they brought out the, the sea dweller deep sea, you know, they brought out one version for what, several years, probably over five years before they brought out the, the James Cameron edition. Well, here, you know, Omega comes out guns firing with uh, one version in titanium with the the Manta lugs that the original one had where they were kind of uh, fixed with a slot in the middle and you can really only run a NATO through it. And then they came up with a bunch of more traditional steel models. And what do you know, they they came out in a, a bunch of different colorways. I'm trying to think how many there was. I mean, <laughs> I think there's like seven. Um, so Omega loves their uh, their SKUs. Let's let's just say that. I do think the one they get is probably the titanium one, even though you can't put it on a bracelet. Um, you can only wear it on uh, pass-through straps. I just think it, a watch this big probably suits better to that. But I, I will say some of the steel models um, look very compelling. The white dial with blue bezel looks killer. They almost had like a, a Fumé dial with the orange bezel. Uh, they even did like a, a, I think there's even like a fade bezel, um, very similar to Rolex's, um, you know, James Cameron edition, Sea Dweller Deep Sea, which was probably more than they needed to have done. But regardless, I, I think all of these look so, so good. It'll be great to hopefully see these in uh, dealers, you know, cases in, in real life. Before these, you know, the pinnacle for Omega was the, the Proplof. And those, you you didn't really see a lot. I don't think I've ever seen one just sitting in a retailer's case. So it's great that I think these are going to be a little bit more uh, accessible to, to people. And then maybe the last thing that's worth mentioning is Omega also brought out the Speedmaster 57. And again, in four different colorways. All of these look good. You know, they're broad arrow hands, bi-compacts layout on the chronograph, which is really, really pretty. A lot of different colors. Um, one of them, it's a navy dial. I don't think people really talked about these. It's a sandwich dial. There's, there's cutouts. I think this is the first time Omega's done a sandwich dial on a chronograph. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it is. But then they've also had other ones, like there's one with a kind of a sunburst green dial. And it has applied indices. As a matter of fact, the other two have applied indices. The you know the other two colors besides the the green and then that that dark navy. They did um, another kind of navy color with the applied indices, and then they did this red. And I think the red is gorgeous. Oh, and excuse me, the uh, sandwich style one's black, not navy. Just looked it in the picture. Uh, the applied indices ones that are in blue or like navy, uh, green, and then red. The red looks killer, and it's not a sunburst, uh, but kind of a flat red. And then the the kind of railroad track going around it is in black. And the bezel on all of these is just steel, which I just think looks so good on um, these types of Speedmasters. So, uh, you know, 40 and a half millimeters, only 12.9 millimeters tall, uh, just manual wind, gorgeous. I think the red looks killer i do actually think the sandwich dial one looks really killer too though it's kind of like if uh, an omega Speedmaster and a panerai luminor had a had a baby that was would absolutely be the watch that they would have made <laughs> and they're making got a tons of flack for 
their uh, Aquaterra 150 that they brought out. Five colors, and people were just like, wow, this looks a lot like Rolex's Oyster Perpetual from last year with the Stella dials. Um, I do think these look very different. And excuse me, I think there's a, a whole lot more colors because I think they did some smaller ones as well, maybe geared more towards women. Looking at these, at least in the photos, I'm actually not a fan of, of any of these, but that's also because I'm typically not a huge kind of sunburst or sunray or however you want to call it of these dials or starburst where it kind of radiates from the center of the dial, very similar to like the uh, Rolex Hulk, if you're familiar with that model. A little bit of a miss for me. I, I kind of wish they were more matte dials and I wish the colors were a little bit more uh, stronger. These are all a little bit more subdued. You know, the positive is you'll, you'll be able to, to find one. And that's probably a really good se segue into the world of uh, Rolex, the 800 pound gorilla and their releases during Watches and Wonders 2022. And let me preface this with saying, you know, I feel for Rolex, I don't think they have an easy job that, you know, almost without fail, no matter what they do, they're probably going to be critiqued for it or lampooned. You know, that's just the nature of the beast because they do move a bit slower, but they do move usually much more in a concerted effort but all of that being said and perhaps with one exception which we'll get to i just thought it was a complete snooze fest from them and i'll also say that i'm okay with that they have had such difficulties meeting demand for their steel sports watches whether that's a daytona or a gmt you know pepsi or batman or a submariner that they probably just need to focus on producing the watches they've already announced over the last one, two, five, ten years that people still can't get. And if they had come out with some super crazy hot steel model, I think it would have just probably added fuel to the fire, to be honest, and to be fair to them. So actually, I think what they did, especially after COVID, you know, if they just uh, buckle down and really start upping allotments and, and getting more watches onto people's wrists. I think that will help with some of the craziness where I get rubbed by them is not so much even what they released, but it's also what kind of leaves the catalog. And with all the craziness and hype around the 41 millimeter Tiffany dial oyster perpetual and how everyone in their um, brother wanted that watch, you know, a watch that retails for what five or six thousand dollars, and then has been trading, you know, recently for sixteen thousand dollars, and even you know, slowly inching up. Now you look at prices because they discontinued it. They discontinued the forty-one millimeter. You can still get it in some smaller sizes, but the forty-one that was probably the most popular. They discontinued after what a year, year and a half tops. And so the secondary market on those is, is going through the roof. And then personally, if you were to ask me what steel Rolex am I most excited about that maybe I'd want to get for myself this year, it was also one of the 41 millimeter Stella dials. Um, I really liked the, originally the Coral, and now I'm kind of more team yellow. But both of them got discontinued, so it doesn't really matter to me. I'm not going to be getting either of those. And of course, the secondary price on those is going to skyrocket as well. 
So pretty bummed that, you know, after a very short year, year and a half, Rolex has decided to discontinue uh, some of those um, models. It, in the case of the yellow and the, and the coral red, they discontinued them across all the product lines, all the different sizes of Oyster Perpetual. So even if you wanted a ladies one year, you're going to be out of luck. So that was definitely disappointing. Probably the least rocking the boat update was the Air King for, for Rolex. They, you know, a lot of people did think that this watch was long in the, the tooth, which it was. They've upped the case size a hair. They've, the case now has crown guards, making it perhaps a little bit more sports oriented. And they finally fixed the five on the dial. You know, this is one of those dials where instead of showing the hours, it shows the hours just at three, six, and nine. And then in between, it's showing the minutes. So uh, 5, 10, 20, 25, 35, 40, 50, 55. But, um, you know, all those are two digits except for the five. And and finally, now it's a little bit more balanced because they're showing zero five, which is what everyone else and their and their brother has done when they do that sort of style of, uh, of dial outside of that. And of course it's on a oyster bracelet. It really, um, doesn't, doesn't do anything for me, but you know, as the intro watch into the world of Rolex, it, it's a great place for people to, to get introduced to the brand. You can do a lot of really fun strap combinations with it. I just hope, uh, people can get one who, who really want one. <laughs> the, I'm smiling and laughing because the, the next one I want to talk about is the lefty. Rolex did introduce a new steel sports watch, not just updating the Air King, but they came out with this Destro version or a lefty where the crown, instead of being on the right, is on the left. And in turn, they've also moved the Cyclops from 3 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And we also now have a new uh, bezel color for the GMT bezel, which is uh, half black and half green. And, you know, the names are, uh, you know, going uh, all over the place about what to, to call this one because everyone loves to have a nickname for Rolex Steel sports models. I think the, the current contender is the Riddler, which I really like. That makes sense. It's, it's green and black. And since you think of, um, you know, the other Rolex model like the Batman, that kind of fits with it. Some people really wanted to squeeze in a drink reference since we have the Pepsi and Coke. You know, the Pepsi's the red and blue bezel. The old Coke bezels were black and red. A lot of people were thinking we we're going to get a Coke bezel this year, but we, we didn't on the regular GMT2 Master Rolex. And so some people have been wanting to call this the Sprite. I totally disagree. I don't know why anyone would call this Sprite. There's no yellow in it. Uh, if anything, you could call it like Monster Energy Drink, right? <laughs> and then the if you look at logos, because you think of like the steel Rolex I have, which is the all green bezel black dial Submariner, that one's nickname is pretty much settled, I think, on the uh, Starbucks because it does look just like the Starbucks logo. If you were thinking of other company logos, I think this new lefty actually looks quite a bit like the Spotify logo. If you look at Spotify, it's kind of a green half circle, a couple of them. So actually, I'm just fine calling it the Spotify too, but I have a feeling the Riddler's going to sink in. And since it is a lefty or South Paul and with the and it's so oddball, I think, um, yeah, Riddler probably makes perfect sense because it's a riddle of, of why Rolex released this. And unlike maybe the, the Tudor Destro or Lefty that they've they've had out, which is super popular and um, wearable, it just doesn't look quite as weird as, as this one does. 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm sure it'll be a hard one to get to. And again, you know, if Rolex had to release some updated steel sports model, but didn't want to, you know, drive demand through the roof, <laughs> perhaps that was the best one they, 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 they could, they could release. There was a few updates to the more precious metal uh, day dates. Now for the first time in platinum, you can get that fluted bezel, which um, is a first that's pretty exciting. Before you could always tell a watch uh, was platinum or not, you know, by kind of that smooth bezel and that um, pale ice blue dial. Of course, this still does have the ice blue dial, so I, I think it's just fine. I don't think anyone's going to mistake your platinum Rolex for white gold. And even if they did, I don't think that really matters. And then let's talk about the the last Rolex, which I, I think is fantastic. Um, I wish Rolex did more of this. This watch really has been growing on me for a long time. And this is the Yacht Master in uh, precious metal. You'll remember when Rolex first kind of came out with the first Yacht Master on the Oyster Flex, that rubber fitted black um, rubber strap kind of uh, bracelet hybrid. It was on a 40 millimeter rose gold and then it has the black ceramic matte bezel and black dial. Beautiful watch. I really, really like that watch. I still do. I, I still think it's fantastic. And then a couple years went by and then they uh, came out with a 42 millimeter Yacht Master in white gold. And I did not like that one bit. I thought it just looks way too cold. Um, and I thought it was a total miss. And this year they have come out with a 42 millimeter Yacht Master in yellow gold. And of course, they've changed some of the writing on the dial too. I don't think anyone's been talking about that, but the rose gold one had a couple different colors on the dial for the text. Uh, whereas I think like Yacht Masters in red, for instance. But on this yellow gold one, they have stuck with all the writing uh, being white. And it is so incredibly clean. If you were looking for a precious metal sporty watch, and you're looking at perhaps this or some different Omegas or some of the, like the Blanc Pond uh, 50 Fathoms in, in yellow gold. And even if you're looking at, let's say, Audemars Piguet, I don't know how this 42 millimeter Yacht Master doesn't jump to the top of your list. Um, it would definitely be on the top of mine. I, I actually think this is by far one of the better releases, definitely the best release of Rolex for this year. Um, but I just, I, finally, I feel like they they filled a niche that, uh, was was missing. And then speaking about Rolex, you guys speak about Tudor. And with Tudor, it was all Black Bay. Black Bay everything. Of course, they came out with the Black Bay Pro, which is a lovely looking watch, but it's a lovely looking watch because it looks exactly like a Rolex Explorer uh, 2, the, the original uh, GMT with a black dial and yellow hand. And I actually always thought it would be great if Rolex came out with that watch again because I do like the steel bezel. But instead, they've let Tudor come out with it. And these really have grown on me uh, quite a bit. Um, it'll be curious to see how long it takes before these become a little bit more accessible. But I think they really are done well. I really like how they've applied the triangle at 12 and the hour markers, because it's not just like a thin paint, but it's like almost like these very thick, loomed markers. Uh, they're extremely three-dimensional, but they're not surrounded in metal or, or gold like uh, Rolex uh, applied indices are. It's, it's an incredibly clean look. 
the only thing I'm not super crazy about with these is they're they measure just 39 millimeters uh, across and because they are uh, using the you know the the in-house caliber movement that that they have uh the mt5652 it's um it's a chunker and so for it being 39 millimeters across i think it's what maybe 14 14 half millimeters tall i actually just wish maybe they'd made it just one or two millimeters bigger and then maybe it wouldn't look quite so chunky, but with it only being 39 and then this tall because of the GMT movement, it just seems um, not as felt as I would like, but the colors and the execution typical of Tudor is, is absolutely a uh, top notch. And then speaking of GMTs, they also came out with some two-tone uh, black Bay GMTs in steel and gold. And these have almost like a brown, root beer ish, um, matte brown, black bezels. Uh, and you know, the, they're very pretty strong retro vibes. You definitely get a 1960s to 1970s vibe with these gold hands and uh, the two tone bracelets. Fantastic. You know, a lot of this is, um, using rolled gold for the, the middle links on the bracelet, which is nice because then, uh, it really helps keep the, the price down on these. And so these are only uh, you know, 4,100 to, to 5,300 with, with the bracelet. So, uh, quite a bit more affordable than let's say if you wanted, um, a, a solid two tone GMT from Rolex, you're going to be paying three times that price. Um, so if you like that two tone look, I've loved the steel and gold two tone Tudor chronograph, the black Bay chronograph they released, uh, several years ago now. And it's nice they've kind of followed up on that two-tone with these GMTs. And they've also, speaking of the chronograph, you know, I still like the older two-tone one better where it's a black dial with kind of gold sub-dials. But now they've released ones with the gold dial and black sub-dials. These look good too. It's just, it's a lot of gold now, but you do still have that black bezel, uh, whereas the other one has a, a gold bezel, if I'm not mistaken. These are nice, and it will be interesting to see um, how long it takes for these to kind of trickle in. And these are a bit bigger, uh, too. They're calling it a champagne dial, but it's um, kind of a sun ray or sunburst um, gold dial. And these are 41 millimeters across, so um, a little bit wider. And since these are chronographs, these are also a little bit chunkier, but um, and they do have a date window at 6. But I think just proportionate-wise, they look a little bit better than maybe the the Tudor Black Bay Pro. I wanted to speak a little bit about one of my favorite watch brands that released their new models at Watches and Wonders, which is Jaja Lecoultre. And for me, being a, a fanboy, you know, I'm always excited. Last year was the 90th anniversary, 80th or 90th? I think 90th of the Reverso. Yeah, 90th. Um, <clears throat> and, 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 you know, that had amazing releases and this year, you know, at the end I was like, okay, what's, what else is coming? And there was nothing. And I, I was upset. They got a lot of great press around their Polaris perpetual calendar, which is a, a gorgeous perpetual calendar watch in steel, which I think is 22,000. And then they also have one in uh, precious metal, G gorgeous, but that was the most accessible watch they released. They also came out with the Atmos Hybris clock, which is a super cool clock, but I think they're only making 10 or 20 of that. 
the master grand tradition. They're only making maybe 10 of, they even came out with a, another, um, very, um, expensive and limited edition watch. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, JLC, if you're half your releases or, you know, you're only going to make 40, 40 of the, what are you even doing at a watch trade show? You just find those 40 people who are going to buy those, those watches and clock and, and be done with it. I mean, there was nothing for, uh, the average Joe. And I just think it's, um, a huge missed opportunity. They could have done so much. I would love to have seen, you know, take the, the tribute to geophysique, 1958 watch that came out a few years ago, white dial sword hands, time only, no date steel case. Take that watch, update the dial, update the strap. Yeah. And you have an amazing watch. I mean, it would, it would, it would kill. And I, really miss they've done some really pretty colored dial reverses but they've all been limited editions and i would love for some color to kind of um uh, sneak its way back into the catalog and especially for uh, regular produced models you know a bright yellow i guess i'm just on a yellow cook kick um or a flat white um just kind of similar to the the geophysique that they've, they've had out those would just look so so great. <laughs> so I don't know what their watch designers are doing because I mean the again the watches they came out with were just over the top. My hunch must be they're going to release some other things more accessible later in the year. And the idea was that they knew they couldn't really control the spend cycle during watches and wonders. So let's just come out with our over the top watches to grab some headlines, and then later when things cool down, they'll release. Um, they're more bread and butter new watches. Let's hope, um, at least. You know, Cartier is another one everyone always has started to really look at, especially since it's been reinvigorated over the last 10 years. Most of the watches didn't do a whole lot for me. Like, I've never understood the the Pasha collection, especially the ones where, like, the watches, you know, the grill watch, where it's, like, in a metal cage. Those have never done it for me. You know, they've made obviously somewhere that doesn't have it on it. So it's a little bit more accessible, but still kind of has that square motif on the dial. Um, and, you know, they, they're they pretty, but they really don't do anything for me. I thought the the more interesting ones were the, the Santos Dumont that they released uh, three versions of in um, precious metal. I think uh, rose gold and platinum and then a steel and the platinum has this really pretty inlaid burgundy lacquer and comes on a burgundy pink gold one. I would call it pink. It has this really pretty uh, cream dial. Not even cream. I mean, almost like a yellowish dial. But it's um, and it has a stepped dial to it. And it's just all extremely uh, monochromatic, but, but done extremely well. And then I, I think the black one where it's a black kind of stepped dial and then uh, the black lacquer and laid into the case, I think is a total head turner. I, I'm really curious to see how these uh, wear on the wrist. You know, they only measure 31.4 millimeters across, so pretty small, but 43.5 millimeters lug to lug, 7.3 millimeters tall. So very thin, easily to put under a um, shirt cuff. Uh, definitely probably one of my top five releases of the show that was nice to see them take the Santos collection kind of in a, in a new direction. 
Vacheron brought out tons of, you know, crazy watches with perpetual calendar chronographs and, and tourbillons and minute repeater tourbillons. Uh, but they also reissued the 222. And there had been rumors about them doing this for so long. And I think most of us knew it was just going to be a matter of time. I, I, you know, immediately go back to the wonderful article that Houdinki had published around uh, the history of all these various 222 models in one of their issues of their magazine. And it, it was, it's a great read and they are great watches. They're uh, too small for me, but if you want one of the OGs, in my opinion, for the integrated bracelet watch, um, this is it. And it's great that uh, they've decided to, you know, re-release it. And it's just in a, a really pretty yellow gold. These are only 37 millimeters uh, across, but I think for a lot of people, it wears almost like a bracelet. So you can probably get away with um, a smaller size here. I, I, again, yeah, definitely um, one of the stars of the of the show. You know, Chopard brought out a few interesting things. I think the the most interesting is the the Alpine Eagle. They came out with an extra large chronograph version. They also came out with like a tourbillon version. The tourbillon, I don't really uh, care too much for, but the this uh, chronograph extra large. The way I kind of think about it is, it's a as if Chopard has said, you know what, the Alpine Eagle is our Royal Oak, and now we need to have a Royal Oak offshore. And so this extra large chrono totally reminded me of the earlier Royal Oak offshores. And it's 44 millimeters across, kind of an integrated rubber strap. I, th I think these look amazing. Um, blue and black are the, are the two colorways right now. Black strap, black dial, or, or blue, almost like a navy or royal blue strap and dial i'd love to see these in some other um fun or, or playful colors but I, I think that they'll do really well with those panerai released quite a few interesting watches this year uh, you know they've started doing even more with luna rosa sailing so they released one there with a, a beautiful blue dial i actually think though um the most interesting for me personally is the the new submersible um Coranta Quattro collection. And really that just I think it just stands for 44. Uh, my Italian's not perfect, but if you think of the original submersible Panerais, those were 47 millimeters. I mean those were like hockey pucks, just chunkers. And then they came out with the 42, which I think most people thought was was just perfect. Um albeit a bit small. And with the submersible, if you really want to double down on that look, then, you know, you may want to think about something in between. And so they came out with this 44 millimeter and they came out in a couple of different colorways. Uh, my favorite's the white dial with the green rubber strap. I love that watch. Um, that That's definitely going to be on my short list. I've been wanting a really crisp white watch with a steel bezel, not black bezel. And I, man, that might just be... Uh, perfect. Um, and then they came out with some of the other traditional colorways, like, you know, black strap, black dial, but with blue uh, text and, you know, blue uh, seconds hand. That's, that's beautiful. They came out with some, um, you know, carbon or like carbon fiber uh, cases. Yeah. The Carbotech, they call it with the blue dial. That's really stunning too. The letdown for me, another letdown for me was probably H Moser. I was really expecting 
something really cool on the heels of you know last year they released the mega cool and in this case they came out with a cylindrical tourbillon skeleton in the pioneer case that was kind of wild it's a it's a beautiful watch but again a really really niche sort of thing they did come out with a lime green which is pretty but it doesn't have markers and so when it's just that very plain dial with hands and nothing else i just feel like you you lose too much usability without that you know if you want an example of a kind of a, a very clean stark time only watch uh, where they're using indices but you know to a minimal but it's still perfect in every way is probably laurent ferrier's uh, that classic or origin blue this is definitely a top five watch for watches and wonders for me sub seconds at, at six o'clock 40 millimeters across 11 millimeters thick it's a titanium case that's polished um, big display back so you can see that gorgeous manual wind um, movement and all the polished you know um, chamfers on it i, I think it's a gorgeous watch it comes on a, a blue new buck leather strap that matches the dial but i i would take that off put it put this all like on an orange strap with that blue kind of slight fume dial and it would just look amazing tag hoyer came out with actually some interesting watches this year i'm really starting to like tag more and more because i think they're they're having more fun and they're also i applaud anyone who's making watches that are more accessibly priced and you know they came out with their bonkers one where it has like you know lab grown diamonds and the crown's a huge diamond and and those are great technology or statement pieces but then to see some of their like this super diver they've come out with rated down to a thousand meters i love the kind of the grayish black bezel and dial and then it has just a little bit of orange on it what a, a great watch if you just want a really hulking watch with a lot of wrist presence and just a watch that would be fun i think that would be it you know tag also came out with a watch that uh, is probably their first solar watch if i'm not mistaken that's quartz that's also a, a diver i'm not seeing it here in front of me now but i just remember seeing it i thought that was really a killer watch and i love that the case is that like forged carbon but has some loom in it so even the case will loom at night i think that's a, a total looker a couple other th things uh you know something else also that dropped during march not a brand i, I really ever talk about it's edox but they came out with one of the more interesting watch categories, uh, a watch in that they um, that you don't see very often. And this was their Lady Diver. You don't see a lot of dive watches geared towards women. And I say, why not? Though I, you could also make a case for not having, you know, gendered watches to begin with. But regardless, I think it does a great job of kind of having one leg in each camp of like serious dive watch with a lot of usability and you know heft and visual i don't know strength to it and then it still has like diamond indices it's just 38 millimeters across but you know it has a really nice all uh metal uh, all steel rotating bezel and it's uh resistant to, to 200 uh you know meters depth it's like a, almost like a a white to blue fume dial and then with little diamonds for the the indices I, th I think this is a great watch for someone who, let's say, has a, a smaller wrist, 
want something a little bit more feminine, but not something that looks like they're, you know, they stole their mom's watch or something. I mean, this definitely looks like, um, like a great watch. You know, a lot of guys like wearing, you know, the dress diver, really, if you think about that, and this is like a female dress diver and, uh, in a smaller size, I, I, I think, I think it's great. Check it out. <laughs> the, uh, other watches, Bell and Ross released a couple right before and right after the show. They had this diver white, the 0392, this opaline white dial. That was absolutely gorgeous. And then they followed it up um, with two more watches. One is this cigar-styled um, watch, which is pretty cool, the BR05 Chrono Edition Limitada. Uh, and it just has a, you know, it doesn't pretend to be anything that's not it's all about your love for cigars so it has a, a gorgeous bracelet or brown rubber strap the dials brown and then it has tons of um i think it's gold or bronze accents uh what is it i can't tell now it looks great and if i was really into cigars i would want to have one and then they came out with the 0394 multimeter and i love this pvd case and the the dial just has the best colors for the five different tracks you can use a pulsometer, an asthmometer, tachometer, two ta three tachometers. And then because of how the dial is, there was just space to put the date um, window in. But to do it, they couldn't put it at three o'clock or six o'clock or four thirty. So it really is at like twelve forty five. And I think that's cool. Why not? I would absolutely rock this watch i love the color scheme i love that it's a black case on a black rubber strap it just looks like fun to me zenith released uh, a couple watches during the show and i have to say you know i love their steel chrome master sport everyone was saying it was too derivative of the of the kind of the current rolex daytona and i was a staunch advocate for the the Zenith version. I said, no, you can see it still has a lot of its own DNA. It's not really the same. Uh, but then it's like Zenith wants to undermine everything I say because then they come out with these precious metal uh, Chrome Master Sports and they just look so similar to the precious metal uh, Daytonas. So I feel like they kind of missed an opportunity here um a little bit to maybe stand out more they could have kept the uh, bezels being black ceramic but instead these are these are gold too they just channel very much uh daytona vibes the exception to that is the the non uh precious metal one that they came out with it which is in steel this is so cool because it the dial is silver and then you have two shades of gray and uh, you know one shade of blue for the subdials but the bezel is three different colors of ceramic um, that match each of the subdials so like the subdial at the bottom that's at six o'clock that's gray that third of the bezel is also that dark gray i think they did a fantastic job with this super unique no one else is doing a tri-colored ceramic bezel so I will I do applaud Zenith for that uh, retail price on that $17,000 on bracelet, whereas the precious metal ones are $38,000. Um, still not sure who quite the target audience is for the, the precious metal Zenith, but I at least will 
uh, congratulate Zenith for uh, their steel model. Definitely check that out. Uh, really, really unique. I've never been a big fan of Mont Blanc, but their iced sea automatic diver. I thought these were great, really cool dials. They have this textured, like cracked ice pattern. Three killer colorways, green, blue, uh, and black. They've done a really nice job of just kind of like darkening the, the ceramic bezel from 12 to three. Um, date windows at three. And the price for these is you know $2,900 on strap to $3,200 on on bracelet this is a lot of watch for the money i think you know they're just, they're using a, a salita movement that's fine but you know they're rated down um to 300 meters and the case is 41 millimeters uh across 12.9 millimeters tall so not not too thick i think these are great if i was going to get someone into a into watches and then the, you know the crown has the mont blanc uh, logo that looks kind of like a snowflake it fantastic iwc i thought they brought some heat as well they did quite a bit with their pilots chronographs you know there's the new 41 top gun that's all blacked out they also have one with white uh, instead of, if you don't want black on black you can get it with um, white indices as well and markers i think these are uh, very pretty but big and a little pricey uh, for for what you get. But the I do give them kudos because uh, the case forty one millimeters across. This this one's not too big, but um, or actually this only comes in one colorway. It is just kind of like that gray on black. So if you're visually impaired, you you may not like it. Uh, then they also came out with the forty three millimeter Top Gun. Uh, time only. Uh, interesting, the chronograph is smaller than the time only, right? That kind of, you would think it would be the opposite. Again, really, uh, really clean watches. It's interesting that IWC is really leaning into that new 43 millimeter big pilot size. because That's really what that uh, time only uh, 43 Top Gun is really uh, channeling. And, and it does look good. You know, the other thing that IWC brought out was a few chronographs where they're really doubling down on using ceramic, which I think IWC has done with really great success. But the downside with these is I think they're just, they're huge. And so it's, again, I think it's just um, a missed opportunity here a little bit. Uh, they came out with green and white ceramic chronographs and they really are pretty. And I, I just love white ceramic too. I'm hoping we see more watches like this. I, I think of like Zenith just came out with their white dial, El Primero, excuse me, white case was also a white dial. Um, but that white ceramic. And then you know, one of the sleepers still, I feel very strongly about is uh, the Omega Speedmaster that came out a number of years ago uh, that had a white ceramic case, the white side of the moon. But these are, the white and the green ceramic and the green is a gorgeous shade of green, but they're 44.5 millimeters uh, across 15.7 millimeters uh, tall. They're just big. I mean, each one is uh, limited to a thousand. Um, 
retail price is 10,700. So from a price standpoint, I don't think they're terrible. They're both top guns. They're both chronographs, ceramic cases. Uh, but that size is just a, a tough putt for for too many people. If I was going to give an award for head scratcher of watches and wonders, you know, the, the prize would go to the Rolex Lefty. But the runner-up would be Ah Langazuna's uh, new Titanium Odysseus. Beautiful watch. I love the metal. The ice blue dial and the guilloche on it is gorgeous. I mean, I think it's just perfect. It's unfortunate it's just a limited edition of 250 pieces. Um, but, I mean, think about this. It's 43% lighter than the uh, stainless steel Odysseus. I mean, that's a lot lighter. This thing is going to wear fantastic on the on the wrist. So if you're wondering, then, Troy, where's the... Why don't you like this watch? What I don't like about it is the price for a titanium version of their steel watch. Uh, which is $56,500 is what they're asking for the titanium version, uh, which is almost twice what the steel one costs. I think the steel one's now, what, maybe 30000 33 tops? I actually thought it was back in the 20s. But I think the, the gold model Odysseus, right? I think there's a white gold model, costs less than this titanium model on bracelet. And I just think that is... Um, it feels like a money grab a little bit to me. I'm, I'm going to be honest to charge $56,000 for a titanium model um, where it's the same movement and really the same case. Everything is your steel model. Um, so that's the, that's what makes me grumpy about it. But uh, do I love it? Yes. Is it perfect? Just about, you know, speaking of perfect watches, they up, also updated and came out with two new versions of their uh, Grand Longa 1. And man, you want to talk about a perfect watch, these uh, would be it too, where, you know, they updated it to where it's, uh, you know, 41 millimeters across, but they actually thinned it out. It's now just 8.2 millimeters thin, and that is thin. Uh, the original longer one was 9.8, and even the previous gen longer one was 8.8. Um, it's hard to, to thin a, a watch out. I heard they had to do all sorts of crazy things. Um, to get it thinner. And this, I just love this kind of incremental approach. And I was watching one of all along Azona's uh, videos. And one of the things they said they did to get the watch thinner, because you really don't have a lot to play with in the movement. It's the same movement. And, you know, bridges are what they are and gears and everything is on the dial, the applied Roman numerals uh, on the sub dial that has the hours and minutes hand, they thinned those out. So then the hands could sit closer to the dial uh, because, you know, they still have to spin around. And in the case of the minute hand, it has to go over those, um, the 12, the three, the six and the nine that are in Roman numerals. And so thinning the actual Roman numeral, then they could lower um, the hour hand and the minute hand. And that's one of the ways they were able to uh, shave off some space. Just so interesting. And then the color schemes on these is just gorgeous. You know, one's in white gold. Uh, the other one's in um, uh, a pink gold. And the dials are just, you know, they have the solid silver and, and gray. And it's, what a killer combination. But I'm a total sucker for 
a gray dial and a pink gold case. I don't think anything's better than that. These are manual wind and these are $48,000. So you could buy one of those and, and still have maybe 10 grand left over versus the titanium Odysseus. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. And the, the tag Hoyer, when I was talking about that solar power is the 40 millimeter aqua racer. And I think this watch is going to be so light. And I like the idea that, you know, even though it's quartz and not um, automatic or, you know, not mechanical, it would be a great everyday watch. And, the you know, the re suggested retail price is just $2,950. And again, I love the, the the carbon case on it. The big dog that's worth talking about, we haven't yet, outside of, you know, Rolex, and we talked about Tudor, is Patek Philippe. And, you know, they always release, um, you know, a variety of watches. And this year they released uh, their travel time and they released um, a new Calatrava with this really pretty textured dial. And, you know, when you think of like a Calatrava, they're known for having this, what they call like hobnail bezel on a lot of models. It goes back a long, long ways. And for this year, the the bezel's polished, and there's lots of just polished bezel Calatravas out here, but they wanted to still incorporate that hobnail DNA, and so now it shows up on the side of the case. It's almost like a coined edge, much very similar to if you've ever handled, let's say, a, a Breguet Type 20, where it has that coined edges on the, the side of the case. Here you have this hobnail finish, and they just have a, a beautiful... Um, you know, display backs on these. I think these are fantastic. Of course, these are white gold. The um, travel time one is pretty pricey at $76,000. So not for everyone, but it's um, extremely well executed. And then the the time only Calatrava, I just, I'm hard pressed to find a better looking time only watch. Um, I think it's suggested retail price that was in the 30,000s, if I'm low 30s, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I'm thinking of that off the top of my my head right now. They also came out with um, a new salmon dial um, <laughs> chronograph that is uh, just sublime and beautiful, just like, like everything they do. And they also came out with um, a wonderful... Um, perpetual calendar with the salmon dial. And I love these syringe hands that Paddock has started using more and more of. Uh, both amazing watches. Um, not priced for, for most mortals, but, um, you know, salmon is definitely still very much uh, one of the color du jours right now. And I'm, I'm glad there's, there's some um, regular watches here. And, you know, thinking about Paddock Fleepy, they did not, there was some, uh, suspicion that maybe we would see something in the steel realm get released by them and maybe even in a white dial, which I would think is lovely, um, but they didn't. And I think they really know. I think a lot of people have been calling it Nautilus fatigue after they said they're going to discontinue the 5711 Nautilus. And then they came out with the limited edition green dial. And then they came out with the even more limited Tiffany blue dial. And now it's over. I just don't think people want to hear about the Nautilus right now. And so I was actually thinking, well, okay, 
That's true. So, and they're probably not going to release some new steel sports model. So, you know, maybe we'll see an update or two to the Aquanaut, but no, nothing. And, you know, the Aquanaut is still so much in demand that, and they really do want to take um, and not be a one trick pony. Uh, unlike, unlike some brands and their models that I, I think it was really smart to say, you know, we're not going to touch any of that. We're going to just keep um, adding to um, our regular stable with, uh, you know, precious metal, complicated watches, which is is absolutely what, what they're known for. Um, but I think their basic Calatrava uh, just, just killed it. I think it's um, a gorgeous watch. If you just want, you know, and it's fun and I think you could probably dress it up or down. I actually like it uh, quite a bit on uh, on the regular um, strap. You know, they have this like fabric pattern strap, uh, which is kind of comical in that, you know, it comes on two different straps, this brown, really pretty like suede calfskin, or you can get it on this um, textured strap and it looks like it's woven, uh, but actually it's a calfskin embossed with a fabric pattern. So think about that. It, instead of just, having a fabric strap that looks like fabric they decided to take calfskin and make the calfskin look like fabric um you don't see that every day and, and, and excuse me that watches um the the three-hander and date uh new calatrava is um $39,000 is the recommended price there and then in closing there's just one other brand I want to bring up you know there was a few others that did releases but uh you know it wouldn't be a talk with, with the grump if we weren't talking about Grand Seiko. And I think um, once a grand Grand Seiko, right as they released the stuff, people really were in awe. And then I think they get they got overlooked very quickly just with you know everyone else releasing their their watches. Um, but I'm not worried. I'm sure people will come back and, and discover these. The one for me is their new spring drive. Um, their uh, five days diver, the L- SLGA um, 015. What a killer watch. Titanium, they thinned it a little bit. They made it a little bit smaller because everyone had, had been giving them a hard time about it. So now it's just 43.8 millimeters in diameter, only 13.8 millimeters thickness. I love this watch. Um, if you were looking for an alternative, to a submariner i don't know how you don't look at this and it's titanium a five-day spring drive movement and then the dial looks like waves at night really pretty black uh dial the the only thing again is i i do think the pricing on this is um how would i say it aspirational is maybe the right word for it um the the recommended price is eleven thousand six hundred dollars and that's a lot. And if you think of this as going to be put up next to, say, an, an Omega Seamaster or a Rolex Submariner, and both of those are significantly cheaper than the Grand Seiko, uh, and they wear a bit smaller, you know, they're they're more like a, you know, forty to forty-two millimeter case, and this is really pushing forty-four. I just. Um, think it was maybe just a little bit of a, an opportunity missed grand seiko also came out with um, kind of a non-limited series of uh, dress watches with kind of this really pretty like textured 
almost looks like paper dials. Um, very similar to like the three that they released. I think it was at the Couture show um, a year ago in Las Vegas, um, where they were US only, each limited to 140 models. And those sold out very quickly. Um, these are $4,800 each. A beautiful, and they're no date, which I love too. They're just a simple three-hander, no loom, no cutouts on the dial, no power reserves to deal with. Super clean, manual wind movement. Um, just perfect in every way. Um, you know, my, for me, I mean, I wouldn't be buying one. They're 37.3 millimeters in diameter. So that is small for me. But for people who like, and been wanting, say, like an Oyster Perpetual, but the 36 millimeter one, you know, those are what, between five and $6,000. Look at these Grand Seikos. I think you're going to get a lot more value for the money. It's killer having the display back to see the manual wind movement. Sizing's perfect. They're only 11.7 millimeters thick, um, 30, millimeter, uh, 30 uh, meters water resistant. And the dials just look, um, look bonkers. And one of them has just this really gorgeous black where it would be a strap monster to boot. So uh, definitely check out those if, if you're in the, in the, the market for a new watch. You know, we could talk about Hublot and how they came out with um, <laughs> watches that look a lot like uh, uh, Cartier uh, Santos's, but uh, let's, let's not go there. We, we can leave that for um, uh, another time. Tag came out with another Monaco. Um, never been a big fan of that watch, unfortunately. Oris, though, I mean, their Pro Pilot X, I always thought has been a killer watch. I love that it has their Caliber 400 movement. They came out with three new colors. Um, I think these all look really nice. I actually think the colors, they're gray, blue, and salmon. I really want to like the salmon, but the salmon's just a little off for me. I feel like, um, I don't know. I think that's almost too salmon if that's right. Um, but, but still, I think those were great, you know, and right before watches and wonders too, uh, Zen released, I think three or five watches with these super colorful dials. They look fantastic. If you were looking for an, you know, again, um, you know, especially with Rolex discontinuing the some of the stellar dial Oyster Perpetuals, if you're looking for alternatives, I mean, you have the Omega ones, but again, I'm not a huge fan. You have these ones we were just talking about from Grand Seiko. And then you have the, uh, the ones from Zen. And the Zen ones look fantastic. And I think they're just like 38 millimeters across and the price is maybe 1400 uh, go to watchbuys.com and check them out. They um, really, really look good. Even if they weren't someone actually um, presenting at Watches and Wonders, I think they're uh, definitely one to look at. I mean, if you wanted a fun summer watch, that would absolutely be on my my short list. Yeah, it's the 556. Five, it's four different colors. Aquamarine, Carlinian, Citrine, Emerald. And I think they just nailed the, the colors on these. I wish the yellow was perhaps a bit more yellow, but um, that's a, a minor, um, um, you know, dig at them. But, but no, I think these these look amazing. 
I have to think uh, Houdinki maybe got the size wrong. Oh, no, there it is. Yeah, 38.5 millimeters, which I think is, yeah, just a great killer size. I love the strap. A lot of watch for the money. Well, it's hard to believe you've wasted another hour or so with the grump. I hope you've enjoyed this coverage of Watches and Wonders. I hope it's given you some things to think about. And more importantly, I hope you uh, go discover some of these watches. Even if you're not in the market for a watch, it's so much fun to see where the industry is from uh, materials, movement, design, style, uh, you know, the direction really where watches are headed. Um, You really can get a great grasp of that uh, by looking at what gets released at Watches and Wonders. I can't wait to see what else gets released throughout the rest of the year. And it'll be neat to see at some future Red Bar meetups what uh, which of these watches maybe show up on people's wrists in the in the coming months. Until next time, this is Troy McHenry, the Grumpy Collector. Thanks. <laughs>